welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 33. <coughs> 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 Hi folks, welcome back. I'm afraid February's zombie month is over prematurely. We are now deep in the heart of flu season, so today's episode is going to be all about viruses and pandemics and infections and that sort of thing. First, I have an interview with John Gibson, who designed the game Infection, and it will be published by Victory Point Games soon. And then I'm going to review Pandemic by Matt Leacock and published by Z-Man Games. First, though, let's get through the news. There's very little this month. All I've got is that GMT announced planned release dates for this year for their P500 list. These dates are not set in stone and may change depending on different things coming up. But in June, Navajo Wars and The Hunter should both be available. Navajo Wars is a solitaire game that also supports two players, if I remember correctly, and Hunters is strictly a solitaire game. Then, in time for WBC, they should be releasing Cuba Libre and A Distant Plane. Both of these are part of their Contra-Insurgency series. So now that that's out of the way, let's jump into the interview. So today I'm talking with John Gibson. He's a 45-year-old programmer living in Calgary, in Alberta, Canada. And his hobbies are playing and designing board games, writing, acting in local plays. He goes by the name of by the username of Geddon, um, BGG, and is also known as that cowboy guy for his fondness of wearing a black cowboy hat. And you can check out his website at www.thatcowboyguy.com. I will include links for that in the show notes. So, hey, hi, John. How's it going? Oh, doing fine, Albert. And uh, it's a real pleasure to... Uh... To be able to talk about myself. <laughs> All right. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about your your new game coming out and just game design in general, actually. So yeah, so you you know, and this is the one player podcast, and so obviously you're here because you've been designing some solitaire board games. That is correct. Do you play solitaire games much? Well, uh, not very much. I, I've played the uh, solitaire variant of Agricola a couple of times. You know, I've played games like you know. Tip over rush hour by uh, Think Fun Games, mm-hmm. uh, but mostly it's like iPad games against the AI, like you know Ticket to Ride, Elder Signs, uh, Tigers and Euphrates, Sellers of Catan, uh, games like that. Ah, oh, okay. I'm, I'm trying to convince my wife she wants an iPad for her birthday. Ah, <laughs> I, I got my wife one for uh, for uh, Valentine's Day uh, two years ago. Oh, okay. So, so I have a first-generation iPad, and it's gotten a lot of use. <laughs> okay, yeah, but yeah, she won't get off my computer lately, so <laughs> so yeah, I want I want to get her an iPad. Gotcha. So you don't, okay? So you don't play much solitaire games. Um, but so, uh, the ones mm-hmm. I do like are more of the uh, like puzzle variety. Okay. So like for instance, like uh, Reiner Canincia's uh, Labyrinth, where you're basically uh, trying to put uh, passageways down and collect as much gold as you can and still be able to get out of the dungeon. Okay. Uh, I've got that on my as... phone. Is that is that a board game also or just a, a video game? I, I think it's just a video game because of the variety of um, uh, pieces. I would imagine it's a directly made for electronics. Yeah, it'd be tedious as a board game, I guess. I would think so. There's a limited number of tiles that you would be able to put down. But, uh, yeah, I'm not – I wouldn't say that I'm a war gamer as far as playing solitaire games. So it's more of like, can I figure it out? It's a puzzle. Okay. What is yeah. this? Yeah, I find I like the puzzle games a lot too. Like, um, Well, Agricola is a puzzle game in, in a very big way. Certainly. So you've got a couple ga- – I saw on BG, you've got a couple games about viruses, including the, the main one I want to talk to you about, which is infection. And I, I wasn't quite clear on them, so – do you have a lot of experience with working with viruses and that sort of thing, or did you just wing it? I know diddly H squad about <laughs> viruses. Um, I'm a computer programmer, and I faint at the sight of blood, but I do enjoy a good game of Pandemic, and uh, from a gaming perspective, viruses appeal to me. I also write novels and short stories, and one of the stories I wrote was about a scientist that created a virus uh, that caused victims to go sterile. Uh, but the rest of that, that's a tale for another day. But anyways, that's uh, that's originally where the interest in viruses came from. And then 
uh, when I was thinking about, you know, making a game, I thought, ah, you know, here's something I had, you know, looked into before because I had done some research. Uh, I tend to use Wikipedia a lot. Okay, okay. Cool. That makes a lot of sense. Ed. So can you tell me a little bit about infection? Uh, sure. Uh, I, I think what I'll do is I'm going to read you some flavor text from the introduction of the game. James Franklin, patient zero, collapses after getting off a plane from Z- Zaire at JFK International Airport. He has rushed to Forest Hills Hospital, where he's placed in an isolation ward. He's quickly discovered he has Morbazia, a constantly mutating virus that is resistant to all known antibiotics. The survival of humanity itself is at stake. Uh, Infection is a solitaire board game where you're playing the part of the director of a CDC field office in New York City. You have to make the decisions about what parts of the virus to study, which personnel to hire, and what equipment to purchase. Uh, You'll soon discover that you're working with an eccentric group of scientists who don't always work well together, and one very resourceful lab rat named Marvin. Um, As the casualties increase, so does the stress and the mistakes you make as you try to complete your virus before time runs out for all of mankind. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know, listening to that, I'm going to jump ahead here a little bit, but the the game really does have a lot of characters and personality, and then there's a huge story going on in the game. Like um, the flavor text in the cards is just very funny. (laughs) As I I was reading in, you know, all these guys you're talking about are in there. Marvin, the, the lab rat's in there. Let me read one of the cards that I really liked. Stop stealing my lunch. Buy your own friggin' yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a card anything remotely like that. That's just fantastic. Yes. Um, what it was is that uh, when we were in the design process and we were deciding to create these cards, they're, they're event cards. And so before it was just the cards were telling you to put these parts of the, these molecules on the virus. And I guess we'll get into that at some point. And so anyways, we decided that, you know, the other things were happening on these cards and we decided we should add some flavor text. At first I was thinking, well, do we go totally serious? And they said, well, you know, it's a kind of a grim concept. You know, you're basically this virus is, is, is killing people by the millions and, and maybe be too grim if all the cards were serious. So maybe we should stick in some, some humor and so i spent you know about uh three or four hours just pounding out the flavor text of these cards and trying to create a storyline an arc with these characters and so i was throwing in this one of the characters is you know adam sandler who is a uh used to be a do broadway to raise money you know pay his way through school so he hums broadway tunes and there's lots of stuff (laughs) about that and there's the other character, uh, Sylvia Goldberg, who Goldstein, who like you know peach yogurt, but it keeps on getting stolen from the fridge, and she's trying to figure out what's happening to it. So, <laughs> but with the playtesters, I've had I have seven playtesters, and they just find the comedy absurd and just does not feel like it's a match to the game. So when I created some serious cards, they said, "No, we like this. We like let's keep it serious. I mean, it's not like it's a." two and a half hour slog and the game takes about half an hour to play so uh we decided the serious cards are a little bit more apt for the for the scenario oh, oh that's a shame oh. <laughs> i do like the comedy in here so and you know i'm reading the, the cards now and you know talking about the yogurt and apparently there's a specific person that steals the yogurt because you read the text for it's different guys for example eugene is lactose intolerant so obviously it's not right <laughs> so it can't be him there we go yeah so, so, yeah, I try to tie all these cards together, all these different personalities, and uh, and some of the things are that there's personality conflicts, so some cards will not work with others at certain points. So that's brings some variety to the game. Okay, well, I hope we do get some sort of director's cut at some point with the, these cards back in gotcha. there. Okay, so where did the idea come from for the game? Was it from that book you wrote? Uh, that story? Well, here's the story. So what happened was is that... I came up with the idea for the game on Thursday morning, November 24th, 2011. <laughs> okay, so what happened was um, about a year ago, I was riding on the bus to work, and I was listening to the I've Been Dice podcast. Have you heard of it? I've heard the title. I've never listened to it. Okay, that one. so it was episode 22, with, and the host, Tom Grant, was interviewing Alan Emrich of Victory Point Games. 
And one of the games they were discussing was We Must Tell the Emperor, which is a solitary board game designed by Steve Carey that it was composed of just 48 event cards and 23 uh, cardboard tokens. Uh, in 60 minutes, this game covers the Pacific theater of World War II from 1941 to 1945. So Alan said the biggest challenge in board game design is making a really good, simple game because the designer needs to pare down the game to its simplest concepts and components. So as I was listening to the podcast, I'm right on the bus, I'm listening to this podcast on my earphones, and the, a germ of an idea came up to, it started to incubate in my mind, um, <laughs> how to create a simple solitaire board game with just 40 or so counters and 36 cards. And so the first thought that came into my mind was creating a vaccine to cure a virus. Just, like, Just that. like that. I'm <laughs> sitting on the bus and I'm like trying to listen to the podcast at the same time as my brain is just, you know, ooh, what could I do? What could I do? Well, how could I make a game? And I'm not a war gamer, so that's not going to be the way I'm going to approach it. And it's a solitaire game and you've got to be doing something and there's got to be a conflict. And I thought, oh, you know, a virus and, and viruses are made up of parts. So, you know, that's what. The... And so that was the easy part was that idea. Yeah. So why did you make it a solitaire game? Was it just because We Must Tell the Emperor is also a solitaire game and you're on that track? Exactly. It was basically, I thought, it was a challenge. Like Basically, I thought Alan was challenging me personally. He was reaching through the, the <laughs> my earphones and going, I bet you can't do that. That's really tough. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I could do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, that's pretty cool. You took on the challenge and replied to him, and he's gotten a hold of you back in the yes, end. Yes, he did. Can you talk about how that happened? Because I, I saw the thread on BGG where, where the whole communication seemed to have started. And that was, I thought that was pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, so, so the first thing that I did was after I got home from the bus ride, I decided to start basically making notes. And so I came up with sort of a basic idea of what the game would be about, point form bullets and stuff like that. And then a few more hours later, I had the... I had about eight pages worth of the, the game sort of fleshed out. And so I posted on my blog. And so I have a designer blog, not much on it, but you know, definitely this story's on it is, um, <clears throat> and my blog is that cowboy guy dot blogspot dot CA CA because I'm living in Canada. Um, so anyway, so I also am fairly active on the board game geek. So I, posted a thread uh, on the board game design forum. I titled the thread, Vaccine the Board Game, a Solitaire Board Game About Curing a Disease. And then I put links to my blog and also uh, links to Victory Point Games and to the podcast. And then I said uh, in it, I said, please check out my post about the game and let me know what you think. Is there anyone here who's familiar with Alan Emrich of Victory Point Games? Would my game appeal to his players or of his game? Any feedback would be appreciated. So that was on Saturday at about uh, 6.39 p.m. So the first person to respond to my post one hour later was Steve Carey, who was the designer of We Must Tell the Emperor. And he basically suggested that a solitaire game would be a very challenging and which should have uh, plenty of decision trees and apply tension. And so anyways, he was like, oh, well, this sounds like a great idea for a game. And, and, and it's like, wow, OK, this is this is cool. And he encouraged <laughs> me to uh, continue to explore my vision and to test out the game myself and to continue to tweak it. Forty five minutes later, the second person to respond was Alan Embridge himself, the publisher of Victory Point Games. And here's what he posted verbatim. Uh, I know that Alan Embridge guy. He's me. <laughs> and I'm very familiar with Victory Point Games, and if Steve Carey says you're on to something, then heck yes, we're interested in it. So shoot us an email to uh, Victory Point Games, and we'll and look at our manual, uh, and we'll have our manual games producer, Nathan Hayes Hansen, uh, get back to you, and we'll see, show you how we do things at Victory Point Games. Uh, we have a great series called Make a VPG, and so basically they have these documents that's like, uh, gosh, it's like 30 pages long that basically lay out, oh, wow. here's what we're looking for. This is how you basically come up with a game. Or, uh, and then he said, we publish a lot of first-time designers like Steve, and they can attest to what we do things. 
all the best, Alan Emmerich. So to make a long story slightly shorter, I contacted Nathan on August 10th of last, I was contacted by Nathan on August 10th of last year, and he introduced me to the man who would become my developer, Josh Neiman, and it's been a very interesting uh, journey since then. Wow, okay, this game is just begging to get published. It's just... Why, thank you! <laughs> it's doing all the work itself, I think. <laughs> you know, so this game, when I first read about it, it sounded an awful lot like Pandemic, you know, and you're dealing with viruses. And I'm sure it's going to get compared once it's published and whatnot. But have, have you ever thought about doing anything like trying to combine it with a Pandemic, like in the back of your mind? I've always imagined Pandemic is neat because it's more of a global thing, but it'd be nice to see what's going on in the individual lab with that individual lab workers actually doing well uh, i mean i guess first of all you have the you know copyright issue with pandemic being <laughs> published by a different company but i would think that you know um somebody could do a print and play where they could have uh, a kind of thing that you know unofficially that you could post on the bgg if somebody's you know enterprising enough that could link the two together and say that certain things that you do in one game is hard dependent on the other one so you have to be and that would, you know, maybe you mm -hmm. get bonuses in Pandemic if you can, uh, you get extra turns or extra actions if you're more successful as you're combating the virus. And if things go worse, maybe lose turns. I don't know. Something like that. So that would be yes. something that you could Such do. I mean, also, there could be a sequel to this game that is more of a uh, macro than micro. Okay. Yeah, I've seen one game, India Rails, which is published mm -hmm. by Mayfair Games. That came out, and then um, I forget who published it. I want to say Flying Buffalo, but I don't know. The people mm -hmm. that published Nuclear War made an expansion to combine Nuclear War with oh, India okay. Rails. And somebody did that. And I, I don't know if they went and got permission to do it or just went ahead and did that and said, you know, if you have that game, use hmm. these cards and play them together. Well, but I've never looked at well, it. It sounds yeah, if you If you can have games that seem to have a bit of a match and there's a way that, uh, you know, they complement each other, then uh, sure. Um, and... Like I say, if you're doing it from a solitaire perspective, it's a solo game. I mean, Pandemic obviously is a cooperative game that can definitely be played solo. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, they definitely could work together. All right, that'll, that'll be neat to try. So, so far, so how far along in the publishing process is, is this game? Okay, um, so what it is is that we're near the uh, the tail end of the out of office playtesting. So they've done playtesting in the office, and then what they did is they came up with these. Uh, playtester kits, and we mailed them out to seven people. They've been playtesting them for about three weeks now, and so we've I think we've ironed out most of the kinks in the game. Uh, the biggest challenge was that people were winning too much. Uh, once they had solved the game, they, they were starting to uh, win it on a consecutive basis. So then what we did is we made some changes to a base. We came up with two levels. We had the, you know, easy level and hard. And so what we're going to do is make it a double-sided board. So the the one part of the one the first side of the board is going to be easy, flip it over and then you play the hard version. So that's where we're at. So still waiting to get a little bit more feedback um, on how that feels. Um, so the the tentative publishing date is May 2nd, but it could be sooner uh, depending on how this the process okay. goes, but that's how it's penciled in. Um, the next step after this is to work with the artist. So they have an artist already picked, and he's done some preliminary artwork, but sort of just like placeholders, I guess. Once we've you know hammered down the rules and say, okay, this is it, this is what we're gonna do, then he can be let loose on it, and that's I'm really excited about that part, um, seeing how that's gonna work. And you know, I've done graphic design myself, and uh, I'm really uh, interested in seeing what this artist's vision is for the game. Okay, very cool. Is this going to be published in a I box? I have no idea. Or... Um, at this point, it's, okay. um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it okay. also, I guess it all depends on what, uh, right now it's it's the cardboard tokens, so, uh, so I don't think we're having any wood or anything like that um, for this particular game because it's, it's all chit-based, I guess, is how it works. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, I guess maybe this, I don't know if this is a good time to say um, what the sort of the basic components are. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And so, let's see. So what it is is that that it, there are 
molecules and molecules. So there's a virus uh, on this board. So on one side of the board, you have a virus, which is basically mm -hmm. a group of hexagons that are in sort of a roughly circular shape. So it's 19 hexagons. So there's one in the center, six around that, and another 12 around that for a total of, of uh, 19 hexes. And then on the other side, we have the vaccine, which is made up of molecules. Uh, what do we call molecules? And these molecules are made up of various proteins. And so what I came up with was that there would be five different proteins and each would have a different number of a number of these tokens. So what it was, there was six, six blue squares, red, four red circles, three green triangles, two purple hexes and a yellow star. So that gave me 16 tokens to start with. And then each molecule would be made up of a different combination of these proteins. So I came up with the following combinations of six, three protein molecules, three copies of each, four, four protein molecules, two copies of each, and two five protein molecules, one of each. And so that gave me 28 molecule tokens plus the 16 protein tokens grand total of 44 tokens. So that was sort of what I was aiming for is small number of pieces. And so what you're doing is that uh, you basically at the beginning of the game, you uh, draw seven of these molecules at random and you place them on the, on the board. So one in the center, center spot and, and six around the outs, the next inner ring. I, I guess what I did is I called the center was a, the six around it was called the B ring, and the outside ring is called C. So you put seven of these molecules down. Each one uses a different number of proteins for its composition. And then we have a thing called the incubator, which has four slots. And in those slots, you put you put four proteins. And each slot has a different price. So the first, first spot is zero, then one, then two, then four. And every turn, you pay uh, – you can buy two of those proteins – and then you can use those proteins to place on the mm -hmm. vaccine side of the of the um, the board. And so what you're doing is you, if you build up a molecule and you finish it, you can use that what we call them antibodies. You can use those antibodies to attack and cure the the molecule that's on the virus. So if you complete a antibody, you can basically take that molecule off. The object of the game is to get clear the board, get rid of those things. But then we have cards that are adding okay. molecules back onto it. So that every every turn there's an event card that you're flipping over, and it's saying, "Ooh, place this on here." Oh, there's a lab event. Oh, there's people dying. You know, <clears throat> stuff like that. Okay. Yes, yeah. exactly. And yogurt getting stolen, and <laughs> Doctor Sylvia Goldstein is not going to work with anybody today. So you can't use her card because she is fully ticked off that somebody stole her yogurt. <laughs> The the board starts the virus section starts uh, only full. All nineteen spaces, spaces are full, or so only part of it. Basically, it's the uh, the uh, center part of it. So the the outside edge of twelve spaces is free. The car the event cards basically mm, okay. place things on there, and it, it's either will specify a certain hex. So you could say e each of the hexes has a number. So A is well A, um, but B is B one through six, and then C. The outside is 1 through 12. So you can play, pull, pull an event card that says place a, uh, a molecule on B2. But you could also have cards that say place two molecules on the board. We have a couple of cards that say place three on the board. So some of these cards are a little bit more deadlier than others. Fair enough. Okay. That sounds very cool. And this isn't the only virus game you have, right? On BGG, I think when I looked at your profile, I saw... Going Another viral. game. I don't remember what it was called now. Uh, so what it was is it it was basically a print and play version of of my uh, infection game, but I I was making it so that you didn't have to have any tokens. So all you needed was a pencil, two dice, and five pennies. So what you did is that the the way I designed it is I had you know a six pages worth of rules on how to play the game. And then I had play sheets, which were basically Excel spreadsheets. And so there was a grid that had, which mm -hmm. represented the virus. And it was sort of like uh, a six by three grid. And each uh, cell had a different molecule in it. And that molecule was made up of a certain number of proteins. So there was 18 different uh, molecules on this piece of paper. 
And then what you did is you also rolled dice to get funding. So you would get money. So every turn, so you had 12 turns, so you could collect money, okay. roll the dice, find out what your money was. You roll dice to place or activate the, the molecules on, on the, so you check off a box and say, this one here is, is now active, so you can cure it. So until it's active, you can't touch it. And then I had this thing called the incubator where it had the five proteins, and what it was is it was variable pricing. So you used the pennies as markers to say what was the price of that particular protein. So the price was, you know, from zero to five. And if you bought that particular protein this turn, it, the price would go up. If you didn't buy that particular protein, like if, and I just basically call them A, B, C, D, and A, B, C, D. Yeah. Anyways, I said, if you didn't use, buy that one, the price would drop. So then what you were doing is you were managing your money Try not to, you were managing which ones you were going to buy. Different pro molecules were coming up. And the idea was to try to, by the, the end of the 12th turn, uh, eliminate all 18 molecules. You could basically clear the board. And, and so you could just print out all these sheets. So you okay, could have, have as, you know, anytime you wanted to play the game, you just print out the sheet and have your pencil. And boom, there you go. Okay. And is the game available now? Uh, well, it's, uh, there's, it's, like I say, it's a print and play, so it is available on the BGG. There are links, I think, that are associated with the contest. So I think if you go to the contest, you can find links. And then um, I put documents up on um, Dropbox. Okay. Uh, and, and, yeah, so you could, uh, yeah, so it is available to play. Okay. And this is for the, the solitaire print and play contest, you mean? Correct, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so it's just basically, yeah, something you can basically download and print it and play it, yes. Okay, okay. And you had another game on the contest last year? Um, well, I didn't I didn't get to finish it. Uh, what it was is it was another solitaire game because, well, these all were. Uh, it was called Death Ship, and the uh, idea behind that one was that um, – uh, let's see, what do I got here? Uh, let me just – it's just briefly – you are the lone survivor of a zombie outbreak aboard a cruise ship. The object of the game is to escape the ship. This can be accomplished one of three ways. Escape by helicopter. Yes, you do know how to fly a helicopter. Uh, <laughs> escape by motorized lifeboat or barricade yourself in the radio room and call for rescue. To accomplish any of these goals, you must search the ship for special items while trying to avoid getting killed by zombies that seem to be popping up everywhere. In this game, you would have a ship map that you would print out in a character sheet, and then you would need two six-sided dice and a 12-sided die, a player pawn, and 100 pennies. The pennies would represent the zombies in the okay. game. So the zombies would have two hit points. The heads would mean it had two hit points, and tails mean there was one hit point left. Um, so anyways, I had written up an eight-page uh, rule sheet, but I didn't get started on the map which would have been 11 by 17. So basically two sheets that you could print out. And like I, I had written up all these rules, but I was spending so much time going back to my other games that I wasn't able to finish it for the in time for the contest. So, But it's, it's still up in my noggin and something oh, okay. that I think would be fun, um, especially if a cartoon of basically it's zombie, zombie Lincolns because they're – <laughs> the pennies are Lincolns, right? You know, so how all these zombie Lincolns are coming out, you know, the comical bent to it, you know. So the <laughs> idea is you're running around, going from room to room, looking for items and uh, trying to either shoot the zombies or avoid them. And then I also had an idea where basically it was night and day. So during the day, the zombies were slower, but at night they became faster and would hunt okay. down. So I had rules for how that worked. So, yeah, I'd like to finish it at some point but uh, i haven't gotten there but it's like i say it's got a lot i have the rules so okay that sounds fun <laughs> that sounds cool i like the idea and the an 11 by 17 ship sounds like it'll be really big yes 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 so the, <laughs> the idea is that you uh would use the uh two dice the two six siders and the 12 sider to basically control what's happening on the on the uh the board so it was uh okay I think it was a great idea are all your game design solitaire? Uh, no. Um, actually, a lot of my games are um, are multiplayer or multi multiplayer competitive or multiplayer co-op. 
I've got about 20 game designs that I've worked oh, okay. on. Okay. And so, uh, so the couple of them have been solitaire, but majority of them are are, uh, are multiplayer, competitive, or and some of them are multiplayer uh, cooperative, which could be played as solitaire, I guess. That's true. You said these are some of these are still work in progress, or you got twenty games you finished? Oh, work in progress. So when I say twenty games, okay. some of them are just ideas. Uh, uh. So I, I make a lot of notes. Uh, and so it's, I, I, I've got a, a, a paper, like I have a notebook, a journal, leather bound journal that I, you know, when I'm on the bus, I'll, I'll say, Oh, I have this idea and I'll just open it up and go to a new page and put down the date and start just writing things down. And, uh, also, you know, uh, use word and just start making lots of notes and stuff like that. So everything's kept, nothing's lost. It could all be easy okay. later. Yeah, I think a journal is a great idea. I mean, you want to write notes, and even even if you don't forget them, it's it's nice to come back later because you, you might think of different angles and stuff, and it's nice to be able to compare all that. Big. So I, I think that's critical. How long have you been designing games? Well, I designed my first game in July of 2009. It was a board game called Demolition, and it was basically – took place in 1888 during the um, railroad construction. The idea was that you were all demolition experts. The players were demolition experts, and you were basically uh, lighting fuses. And there was three different types of fuses that burnt at three different speeds. And you were trying to basically have these fuses burn towards a central powder keg. And also I thought, ooh, it might make a good iPad game, you know, kind of thing. Or iP- mm-hmm. But um, – um, that was the first game I had worked on and uh, sort of got the bug at that point and been making games ever since. Very neat. Um, and now you've also got a design blog. And I was wondering, is it hard to to maintain a blog and work on it, you know, without giving away too much information? Um, well, here's the thing. Uh, it's it's it. Uh, First of all, I'm not maintaining it too much. I think I spend more energy on the games than on the blog itself. Uh, most of the stuff, I, I, I post a lot of threads on the BGG when I come up with ideas. I'll say, oh, I've got this idea for a game, and I'll, I'll post it on the on the BGG. But uh, generally, I've been told that, you know, really, it's okay to talk about games because that really, you know, there's not a lot of stealing going on, and if you have a really good idea, then the good good idea will win out. By posting it, you've already shown that you had the idea first, that kind of thing. So I, I think it's it's difficult to discuss games with people if you're being too vague or too cagey. So I'm I don't know. I just feel that I I'm, I'm willing to take the risk of putting my ideas out there and that they won't be showing up someplace else. You know, it's just I think. Uh, as as game designers, we probably are a little bit too proud, and we want to, you know, this is my idea. This is what I came up with. Not going to go origi- Everything's original. I wonder what he's thinking. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's a racing game with elephants. Well, I could do that for hippos, so I would call it uh, 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 the, sort of the, the Formula <laughs> H. Yes, with hippos, and yeah, I came up with that yeah. by myself. <laughs> It'll be in not India, but Wherever they have apples, Africa somewhere, <laughs> Congo, yes, and they run around. It's real fun. Did you know that <laughs> John's original. The most dangerous animal on Earth is the hippo. The hippos kill more people than any other animal on Earth. So uh, I don't know. Maybe the, if they if <laughs> hippo it eats you if you don't get out of the way in time or something. I don't know. Anyway, so but long story okay. short, I'm not. I I, I'm, I feel free with it, discussing my ideas. So. Okay, well that's a, that's a different perspective because whenever I've heard uh, another podcast, like I listen to the Spiel, yeah, and and uh, when they do their SN previews and all that, the, the designers always say, "Oh, I've got ideas, but I can't talk oh, about yes. them yet. Well, they're not they're not at that phase." Because I think a lot of times they're working with a publisher at that point, and the publisher wants to hang on to the idea. Ah, okay. So okay. I so I think that's what it is. Is that they they maybe be working with a publisher already. And sure, maybe they do have a fear that that they don't want to give an idea away. But I mean, myself, I, I'm just a simple Joe Blow. I'm nobody's gonna. Oh, John Gibson came up with an idea. Let's take his. No, I'm. 
That would be flattering. Yeah, it would be flattering. Oh, my, <laughs> my, thank you for stealing from me, but I have proof that I came up with it first. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll be hearing from my lawyer, my attorney, whatever, yes. <laughs> Somebody. Somebody, yes, who'll represent me, my brother. <laughs> Took a law course at one point, yes. <laughs> you're crazy uh yes um i i should also mention i i was uh uh i had a drama background i was going to become an actor uh mm-hmm. before i i basically found my i met my wife and decided that you know uh being a starving actor by yourself was okay but trying to have two people live in a phone booth uh might not work and so i follow a different career path but um i was also a puppeteer for three years and did a oh okay did a puppet show with a cast of about 18 characters and i did all their voices so oh wow okay was this a traveling show or uh no it was a local thing uh, uh i was when i was living in ottawa so when it was when i was a teenager so uh, it was a sort of a thing that was my summer job for three years was doing oh, wow puppet okay that was cool yeah that's a very cool summer job oh yeah yeah, Pedro like McDonald's, which is what I was doing. Big puppeteers. <laughs> Bet. And uh, and kids like to stick their hands in the mouths of the puppet, and they say, "Bite my fingers." And it's like, bye. <laughs> bite, bite, bite. Okay, sure. Bite, bite. There you go. <laughs> All right. I don't know that I have anything else to to ask you specifically. Is is there anything you want to talk about? Um. Well, there was one other thing was uh, in your notes you were asking about. Do I have any tips for fledging designers? Oh yeah, yeah. I meant to ask you that. You're right. Follow me. You could ask me. <laughs> <laughs> so I have another question. What? Do you have any tips for fledgling designers? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, um. I'm not published yet, so I don't know if my advice will have much weight. But here it goes. Um, the first point is fairly obvious, but I will state it anyways. Play lots of games. Um, I've been in the same weekly gaming group for four years, and the fellow who hosts it owns over a thousand board games. So I learn about three new games a month, and so we play lots of get- types of games. We play Euros, Ameritrash, war games, dice games, card games. So I would say uh, doing so exposes you to a lot of mechanics, board layouts, victory conditions, themes, etc. So that would be my first point. And I guess it's fairly obvious, but, you know, play lots of games. Um, the other one is that design what you like to play. And this is really important because uh, you'll probably end up playing it about a hundred times <laughs> before it gets published. So you're really going to have to like it, you know, if you're so make a game that you like to play. Third thing, keep a journal. It could be a blog, a notebook, updating threads on the BGT, or just creating uh, Word documents and storing them on a computer flash drive. I've been, in my case, I've been doing all four, but mainly I focus on keeping my notes on a flash drive on my keychain, so it goes with me wherever I go. The main idea is to keep all those ideas, themes, mechanics, uh, and imagery, so you don't lose them and you can mine them later for other games. One idea is, you know, do you start with a theme or mechanic? And I say, it doesn't matter. Uh, I've done both, and one will lead you to the other. You know, so, oh, I've got an idea that using dice, I could use a game with dice, custom dice, and each image has a different thing on it. So, you know, maybe that's the start of a game. You know, I haven't got a theme yet, but like, hey, I can make these custom dice and different probability math. You know, I like, I really like using math in games, you know, just, probabilities of certain things happening some things are going to be rare some things are going to be more common and how that affects the game um Mm -hmm. note taking uh so usually i just open up a word document start off with one or two sentence description what the game's about Uh, next i'll probably list the components Um, so this helps me visualize uh, the game board and its pieces and after that i usually do uh, point form of bullets to put all my thoughts on paper I literally barf everything out that, that comes into my head onto the onto the paper that was related about the game. And then afterwards, I'll organize it in bullets under headers like components, setup, gameplay, cleanup, and game end. And then I'll save these game notes to a folder with the game title, and I'll version it. And that way, if I make any substantial changes, I can always go back to it. Another thing, Google image is your friend. 
when I'm creating graphics for my prototypes using Photoshop, I hunt Google image for images that I can incorporate into the game. So when I was prototyping infection, um, I was getting pictures of lab equipment and scientists that I could put on the lab cards. Okay. And uh, da, 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 what else did I think was a neat tip was, um, oh, one trick I learned for prototyping was to use pennies as counters. So I would print out my images that I created uh, in Photoshop that were the exact same size as the pennies, and I print them on full sheets, full uh, label sheets, and then I could just stick them to the pennies. So it gives you something that's thicker and more tangible than printing stuff on cardstock as you know, it's really tough to pick up a round token that's made out of cardboard on the book in here. Whereas a penny is, you know, and, you know, use stickers and boom, and there you go. Uh, and it's hard to cut out round circles in cardboard. Yeah. Really, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> um, and BGG, they've now got some penny token things that you can buy off the market. Yeah. When have you seen that? Yeah. I've, penny gems. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, it's just a, it's a sort of like, it's a cheap source of, of uh, token stuff that you can get. Another thing is uh, be open to constructive criticism. I know that the game is your baby, and you might feel that other people aren't getting it, but not everybody lives inside your head. Uh, so be prepared to make major changes to the mechanisms or the rules if uh, people aren't, you know, that, that, that the game is just not working. Um, so I've made games where version 5 doesn't look like anything like version 3. Um, so one thing you could do is if, if a person goes to my uh, blog, the thatcowboyguyblogspot.ca, and if you go to the October 2011 entry, you will see six, version of, six versions of my board game, Combat Ants, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, which was a board game about ants fighting for food resources on a, a modular hexagonal map so yeah that's about oh and play test play test play test and play test some more all right yeah yeah you know talking about the talking about the feedback made me think you know as a i'm also a programmer as a programmer i know that i've seen i've written a program i've given it to users and i am shocked because they didn't use it the way i i have been using it for weeks right you know yes yes you have to try stuff out because people will do things completely different, completely wrong as far as I'm concerned, right? Yes, yes, exactly. I'm watching somebody play test my game and I go, why did you do that? But that's not, that doesn't make sense. Why would you start there? You would start at the other place. But no, no, it's like, okay. <laughs> you yeah. haven't been living inside my head. Okay, so, yeah. That's right. All right, well, as I said, I think I'm done then. Um, so thank you very much. Do you have any closing words? Um. Well, Thank you for uh, doing the interview. It's a, it's it's been fun talking about my game. Um, I look forward to getting published. I say round, I guess May second, if not earlier. So the so I guess yeah, the game full game name is going to be Infection Countdown to Extinction. Okay. Really looking forward to see what the logo looks like. You know, maybe lots of big blocky bloody letters. I don't know. We'll see what the artist comes up with. <laughs> and in the meantime, I'm working on other game ideas and, and seeing what they come up with. But uh, feeling that I may, may be getting my foot in the door, getting this game published, and we'll, we'll see where that leads. Very cool. Well, I do wish you luck with it. I'm looking forward to seeing the, the game when it comes out. So I'll keep an eye out for it. I will. You will be the first one to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, and have a good evening then. Thank you, and you too. Bye-bye, Okay. Bye-bye. So today's game is Pandemic, designed by Matt Leacock and published by Z-Man Games. The game was originally released in 2007. It is a cooperative game, and when it came out at that time, it was very different from everything else, I think, so it brought cooperative games back into popularity. Now keep in mind that it is a cooperative game, and you're probably going to want to play two or three roles at a time. Basically, play as multiple players by yourself. I don't think this game will work well if you're playing just one rope, but I haven't tried that, so I can't say for sure. So recently, as in last week, they published a new edition with redone artwork and components and all that. So I went ahead and picked it up, and I borrowed a copy from a friend of the show, Tim, and I went ahead and played both versions to compare them and see what they felt like and all that. And so I'm going to talk about that, and then I'm going to talk about the gameplay itself. 
so first off, the, the uh, a lot of people don't seem to like the new version because the cover looks so different. At least in BGG, it seems to be looked down upon. You know, the style is definitely very different. I think I prefer the old one, though. I know when it first came out, I didn't like the cover. I didn't like the style of it because it was very different from everything else that was around at the time. I showed the two versions to my wife, and she definitely likes the newer one better. She thought the other one looks very outdated. The rule books are basically the same. The wording's a little different here and there. The layout's different, but they're both eight pages. They all have the same content, just described slightly different. The older rule book is more traditional, and everything's more separated. The new one has a nicer design. I found it a little harder to follow. But then again, the design reminds me a lot of Radis. And I found that rulebook really easy to use. So again, I think here I'm just sort of favoring the old one. And then there's the boards. Other than the artwork, the two boards are basically identical, holding them both up against each other. I mean, all the points are in the same spot. You place the cards in the same spots of the board. All the cities are located, I think, exactly where they were in the older version. The The only difference is the art and the style. On the new board, the cities look smaller, but they're in fact the same size. It's just a glow around it. Then there's the cards. I think the old style cards... Well, the cards are brighter in the old version. I think I like the old backs more than the, and the new fronts more. The new fronts is easier to locate a city on in the player cards. I mean, they all work the same. They're all exact the same number of cards and everything, other than the fact that the new version has two more rows than the old one did. But, you know, everything's all there the same. I did notice that the, the infection cards, the backs are upside down. But because of the design, it's kind of hard to tell anyway. It doesn't really make any difference. Folks have complained that with the player cards, you could see what color the, the cards coming up are from the side of the card. But I did not see that as an issue at all when I played. It didn't impact my game in any way. The new cards are also thinner. They seem to be a thinner stock, but a nice finish. Because they're thinner, they're easy to shuffle. So I don't know, you know, it's good and bad at the same time. Then there's the bits. I really liked the new bits. The pawns are smaller, which actually makes it easier to play with. Everything was always too big on the board, and everything always feels really crowded in the old version. Because you get the smaller pawns now, things feel like they fit better, and it's less cumbersome. And they're not too small, they're just smaller. The infection cubes, instead of being wooden, they're now plastic, and they're they're clear acrylic, except for the black ones, which are opaque. They're also a tiny bit smaller, I think. I didn't actually compare those, but they seem smaller. And then the, instead of getting cardboard counters to track the infection and the outbreaks and that sort of stuff, you get wooden bits, which are really neat looking. So I definitely like that more. And then finally, there's the inserts. I think the new insert's a little bit nicer. They're both, whatever, they're just cardboard. So that's it. So that's a comparison of the two versions. Now let me talk about what the game is like. So as I said, this is a co-op game. I probably should have mentioned this at the beginning, but it's about... You're, you're trying to stop virus outbreaks around the world. There's four different strains of virus, and you have teams of people going over the world, curing diseases in different cities, and doing research, and hopefully curing specific viruses and then eradicating them. To win the game, you need to cure all the viruses and eradicate them completely. You lose the game if at any point there are too many outbreaks or you run out of cubes or the deck of player cards runs out and you haven't cured the world. So in typical cooperative fashion, you know there's more ways to lose than there are to win. So this game is an action selection game and a set collection game. And the way it works, the board is a map of the world, and there's various cities on the board. There are different points. You can travel point to point across the cities. As you play, there's infection cards. You're going to flip these cards over, and they're going to tell you to add cubes to a specific city. In, in each turn, you add one cube. You also start the game with a bunch of cubes on the board already. You start with, let me see, 9 plus 6 plus 3. So you start with 18 cubes spread across 9 different cities. The board is also broken up into regions. Each of the spaces you can move to, each of the city locations you can go to, is a different color. The South America and Africa is yellow. North America and Europe is blue. The Mideast is black. And Asia is red. 
Each of these colors represents a different strain of the virus or a different type of virus. There's also a set of player cards, which I think is something like 48 cards. And they have, I think, like six events. And the rest of the cards represent all the different locations on the map. And it has the, the name of the city and the color. And then finally, there's the infection cards, which again, there's one per location on the map. Maybe two per location on the map. I'm not really sure. I think it's one. You're going to draw these cards to figure out where to spread the infections to. You'll use the player cards to fight the infection, secure the diseases, and travel and do different things. So the game turn is divided into three parts. First, you do your actions, then you draw two cards, and then finally you do an infection phase. In the action phase, you have four actions you could do each turn. The actions include moving, curing disease, which basically means removing a cube from the city you're in, placing a research station at a city where you're at, which you do by playing a, the matching card for that city, if you have it in your hand. You could research a cure, which you have to play five cards of the same color you're trying to cure, and you have to be a research station of that color. You could also use a card to travel to a specific city. You play the card and you travel to the city listed on that card. And finally, if you're at a location with another person and you have the card for that location, you could give it to the other person as an action. So those are all the basic actions. To move from point to point, to travel with a card to any point, to travel from one research station to another research station, to play a research station using a card, treat a disease but to, by removing a cube from the, the space you're on, to cure a disease by playing five cards from your hand of a matching color at a research station. Besides those actions, you have some special actions depending on what role you have, and I'll talk about those later. The second phase is draw two cards. Simple enough, you draw two cards. If this brings your total above seven, you have to discard down to seven. And then finally, you need to do the infection phase. What you're going to do is you're going to flip... Depending what the infection rate currently is, it starts at two at the beginning of the game. You're going to flip over that number of cards from the infection deck and put one cube in each of those cities, which is easy enough. As the game progresses, it'll go up to three and potentially eventually four. So when you place the cube, here's the thing. If there's already three cubes at a location, then there's been an outbreak. You don't place another cube there. You now place a cube in each space around it and you increase the outbreak counter by one. The game ends if that ever reaches eight. So you want to make sure that you don't let any cities go out of control. That was the whole turn. During the draw card phase, if you draw an epidemic card, that sort of pauses the game. It, it's a bad card to draw. It means you're not going to get a uh, It's one less card that's going to go into your hand, unfortunately. Plus, you're going to increase the infection rate counter to the next space. You're going to take the bottom card of the infection deck, and at that city, you're going to place three cubes, so it's already at full. Then you're going to reshuffle all the discarded infection cards and place them back on top of the deck. So all the places you've been visiting, or, I'm sorry, so all the places you've been infecting are now likely to get infected again in the future upcoming turns. That's basically how the game works. As you play, you're going to start traveling to the cities. You're going to go to hotspots where there's a lot of cubes already and try and treat those to keep them from having outbreaks. You're going to be looking for five cards of a color to hopefully make a set so you could cure that disease. So that's where the set collection comes in. You're collecting five of yellow if you're trying to do yellow. And, you know, the colors you're trying to cure, basically, it's very tact uh, tactical. It depends on what color cards you have, mostly, and where the hotspots are. Once you do cure a disease, then you it's easier to, to treat it. When you go to a city that has cubes of that color and you treat it, you remove all the cubes of that color instead of just one cube right, per action point. Once you've eradicated all the cubes of that color and the disease is cured, that totally wipes out and eradicates the disease. Anytime you draw an infection, anytime you draw an infection card with that color, you get to ignore it, which is great. So that's the basic gameplay. The other difference, finally, are the different roles. I don't know all of them. I'm going to give you some examples. There's a scientist. Instead of having to play five cards to cure a disease, that person only has to play four cards, which is a big boon, because especially with a, a seven-card limit, if you've got five cards for that, that only gives you two other cards, and you tend not to want to discard cards. There's the dispatcher, which is a neat row, 
as one of your actions, you can move another person and basically act as them, or act through them. So it's really great if that person was in a spot where they wanted to do a couple things, but couldn't because they ran out of actions during their turn. There's the medic, which always treats all the cubes in a city as an action instead of just one. And once the strain of the virus is cured, entering a city that has cubes of that color, you get to remove them for free. You don't even have to spend an action point anymore, and that's great. One of the new cards, I forget what the role is called, something like Crisis Manager or something. It lets you take one of the event cards from the player deck. I haven't told you about event cards yet, but you get to take a discarded event card as an action and put it on your row, and then you get to use that card once for free and then take it out of the game. So it lets you do actions twice, which is really cool because the actions tend to be pretty useful. One of them, for example, lets you play a research station for free. Another one, another one lets you move any character, not just yourself, to any city for free. So, so these cards let you manipulate the game a little bit and hopefully get you in the right position to, to treat and cure diseases. So that's basically the game. I enjoyed playing it. You know, in one episode a long time ago, I said I had I had played Pandemic in the past and had not liked it. I have. I think the last time I played it was probably 2007. And I don't really remember why I didn't like it then. I enjoyed it now. I think... The game, every time you play, you know, especially when you lose, like, oh, you're really close, I felt really close, and you just want to try it again and hopefully make it. So it's a kind of game where you're going to end up wanting to play a bunch of times in a row. When I played the game the last few days, I've definitely had fun with it. There's a lot of tension as you're playing and, you, you know, you're you're watching the cubes and these cities pile up and you're worried that it's, you're going to have outbreaks, which are massively bad. There's definitely a strategy about where you're going to go and what actions you're going to take and which order you take them and all sorts of things, things like that and which character does what. It's definitely a fun game. It's very puzzle-like. It's not a slow game. The game is rated to take 45 minutes. I think that sounds about right. If you've played it a bunch and you're comfortable with it, you could probably play it in 30. I think a few of the games I played took about an hour, maybe a little more. and The last couple were probably in about 30 to 45 minutes each. So, but if you're prone to analysis paralysis, I think this is a game where you could sit down and spend a lot of time trying to figure out the optimal move. You know, and that could be both good and bad, depending on your outlook. The game is also sort of realistic for what it is. I mean, it's very... In a way, it's very abstract, because there's not a lot of things you're doing. And I don't think when a virus is breaking out, you have five people traveling all over the world to treat it. But at the same time, it feels kind of realistic, the way the virus is spread, and... And the way you have specific cities that are contaminated and then have outbreaks from there and the virus slowly spreads across the world potentially. So the theme is nice. The game is a lot like Flashpoint Fire Rescue, which I reviewed a, a while ago. But at the same time, it doesn't, it feels more abstract than that one, which is interesting. And in reality, I think they're both equally abstracted. So that's Pandemic. It's a neat game. It's a lot of fun and it has a lot of tension. The play is relatively fast once you get the hang of it. I think you could normally play in about four, 30 minutes. And you could take longer if you want to take longer, definitely, and enjoy that. As far as to which version's better, you know, I don't... Honestly, I don't think it matters a whole lot. The one thing is that there's going to be a new expansion coming out. Actually, there's going to be a, a reprinting of the original expansion that came out, and I think it's going to have some new features in it. If you have the old version of the game... That expansion won't work with, for you because the cards have different looks. But Z-Man is going to sell an expansion upgrade kit so you can make your old game work. So it'll basically be a set of the cards for the for your old game that look like the new cards. And then you can play with the expansions. There's also a second expansion they're planning. I think it's coming out later this year. That's a brand new expansion. So if you have the old version of Pandemic again, I think you'll need some sort of compatibility pack to be able to play it. So that's really the only issue. If you have the old version, you're sort of out of luck. Just like if you buy an old computer, it's going to eventually become obsolete. But fortunately, Z-Man is offering a, a way to fix that. I think in my opinion, if you, if you don't have Pandemic and you want to get it, I'd say go for the go for the new version. If I already owned the old Pandemic, I probably wouldn't buy the new version just for the different art. But I would get the expansion and the compatibility pack. It seems like it'll be worth it. Well, that's the end of today's episode. 
If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at OnePlayerAlbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek List on BoardGameGeek, or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.